Acts chapter 5 and verse number 29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior. For to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses of these things. So also is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people, and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space, and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what you intend to do as touching these men. Now, let's skip down just a few verses here. Verse number 40, we'll pick up again. To him they agreed when they had called the apostles and beaten them. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And Daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and to preach. Jesus Christ. So <clears throat> we have read in your hearing the story of the apostles in a time of persecution. This is not long after the beginning of the church at Pentecost. And uh, there, of course, was already. Uh, a hatred among the Jews because of what Jesus had done. And they thought that by crucifying him, they'd put an end to this. But they hadn't. They really had just given it a good start. And now things are really starting to heat up. And now they're starting to see their numbers multiply. And so... These men are called into question. They are brought before the council and they're dealt with. And they're beaten and sent on their way with a mandate that they are not to preach in this name anymore. Now, the interesting thing, I know you're standing, but the interesting thing in all of this. Verse 40 says that they beat them and they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. For many people, leaving a situation like that, folks would feel defeated. They'd be depressed. They'd be doubting God. They'd be wondering why God didn't spare them this difficult situation. Hello. Why didn't God keep them from being beaten? He could have. God could have done any number of things to help them avoid such an attack. And it would have been easy for them to walk out of that meeting and say, forget it. It's not worth this. It would have been easy at that moment. And I'm going to tell you prior to Pentecost, this is exactly what they would have done because they did do it. But they would have returned to their fishing boats. And they'd have gone back to their old way of life. And they'd have said, no more. We're done. But something's changed in their heart and in their life and in their attitude and in their outlook. And now they are beaten. They're told not to preach in Jesus' name. 
They're let go and look at verse 41. They departed from the presence of the council, not weeping and crying, not feeling sorry for themselves, not depressed and discouraged. They departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. Well, hallelujah. Is anybody going to help me here this morning? They departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. And then verse 42. They were daily in the temple and in every house. They ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Went right back out and started doing it again. I, I'll explain my title in just a little while. I want to I preach to you for a few moments today about the message between the lines. You know, that unstated message, the thing that isn't said, but that you have to just understand, it's implied there, though it's not put into words. And there is a message between the lines. Well, hallelujah. And I believe that's what allowed these apostles to walk out of this terrible situation rejoicing and going right back and doing the same thing again. I believe they read the message between the lines. Well, hallelujah. I want us to learn that message today. And I believe the Lord will help us here. Amen. Praise God. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's lift our hands, lift our voices. I really need the touch of God today, church. Would you pray for me? Would you pray that God would help me and strengthen me today? And pray that he would speak to you and to your heart from the pages of his word. Let's pray together, everyone. Lord, in Jesus' name. God, I thank you, oh Lord God, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for everything that we find in the pages of scripture. God, you give us so much insight. Lord God, there is so much there for us to learn. God, Lord, about where we are and about where we're I pray today, God, that somehow you would grant me that anointing, God, that I need to convey, oh Lord God, to this church the message between the lines. Help me, Lord God. I'm yours. I am your vessel. I want you to use me today. Lord, in Jesus' name, I need you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let's worship him together right now. Everybody, let's worship him. Let's worship him. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I love you, Jesus. Come on, let's praise him, everybody. Come on, let's praise him. Come on, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Let's praise him. Oh, we need a touch of God here today. We need God to help us here today. Oh, Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, saints of God, let's press our way through right now. Let's press our way through. Oh, we need your touch, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I love you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I am calling on a few of you today, amen, to become my official amen corner. Would you do that? Would you do that? Amen. I, I, I'm telling you, don't worry about what anybody else is doing. I need God's help today. I believe God wants to, to bring us a word of encouragement today. I believe God wants to help us to understand some things today. Amen. Some things the devil doesn't want us to understand. Well, praise God. So he's going to do his best to distract our minds and get us tied down with a lot of other things. But if I can get some of the good people of God to help me this morning, I know the will of God can be accomplished here in this service. Praise God. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Now the text that I have read to you today, amen, comes on the heels of a very powerful setting. Acts chapter 5 tells about a lot of great things that were taking place uh, among the early church. Brother Goff, if you would read for us Acts chapter 5, let's go back to verse 12. As I said, we're going to be reading from Acts 5 quite a bit here today, so just get your Bible open there and and follow along. Acts 5, let's start reading with verse 12, read down through verse 16. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders, wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and the rest durst no man join himself to them. But the people magnified them, and believers were the more believers added to the Lord, the more multitudes, the both Lord. men and women. Yes. Insomuch that they brought forth the sick, into the, the streets, sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches. Yes. That at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick bringing folks sick and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. I'm telling you, they were having revival. They were evermore having a revival. Amen. And, and things were happening and people were being added to the church and miracles were taking place. And, 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 and I believe the church was excited. I believe that they were reaching a zenith of, 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 of happiness and joy and watching what God was doing as the church was going forward. They, they probably had in their mind visions of, of great things that, that uh, were about to happen. Great things were already happening but but they were expecting even greater things to come and and at the moment it seems like that things were just really reaching a peak all of a sudden something happened this is where we ended in verse 16 that they've been bringing people out so that the shadow of Peter might might overshadow them and and uh, multitudes of sick folks and Devil-possessed people were being brought out and they were all being healed and they were all being delivered. And that, that's where we end at verse 16. Now, verse 17 says this. Then the high priest rose up and all that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and were filled with and indignation. And they were filled with indignation. Not everybody was happy that the church was having revival. Not everybody was thrilled about what was going on. Now, I find it interesting that this word indignation comes from a Greek word which really could more accurately be translated extreme jealousy. Amen. That's what's going on. If the Jews hadn't been able to make converts, they're not, they're not doing very well. And, and, and they're, uh, they're, they're, they're losing folks now. And, but, but this new found religion is, is going someplace. And most of their people are joining up with them and, and they've become extremely jealous. And, and, and the wise man said it this way that jealousy is as cruel as the grave. And I'm going to tell you, there was something that rose up in the hearts of, of the council, the hearts of, of the high priest and those that were with him amen, that they became jealous enough that they decided we got to do something about these apostolics. We got to do something about this church. We can't let this keep going the way it's going. We got to put a stop to it now. So let's keep reading verses 18 and 19. And laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Mm. But the angel of the Lord. Now hang on, hang on. So, so verse 18. Verse 18, they laid hands on the apostles and they put them in the common prison. They put them with all the, you know, all the dregs of society. They, they put them there. This was not an accident. They, they put them there expecting them to be abused, expecting them to be mistreated by folks that had no sense of honor or respect for anybody or anything. They, they threw them into the place where, where your murderers and, and, and your thieves, they put them into a place, amen, where they are going to suffer the wrath of those who 
who mocked religion. There was a reason why they put them where they put them. They thought we're going to stop all of this. We're, we're going to get their leadership and we're going to put them in a place where they can't do anything. We're going to put a stop to it right here, right now. But what they didn't count on was that these men were not doing these things by their own power. They weren't doing it by their own logic. They weren't doing it, amen, by anything that they possessed in their flesh. But there was a God in heaven that had reached down and put his anointing upon them. And that same God saw them while they were there in the prison. That God was not finished with them. He still had plans. And I'm going to tell you, you can, you can do what you want to try to fight against God's people but in the moment that God steps into the fight you've lost you can't compete you, you, you can't find a way to fight fair with God well hallelujah let me show you what it is let's, let's keep reading verse 19 but the angel of the Lord by the night the Lord. opened the prison doors the angel of the Lord how are you going to fight against that? I mean, you, you throw them in prison and God just sends his angels. And the angels don't even need keys. The angels just open the door. The angels just make the chains fall off. Well, hallelujah. Listen, church, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere. Just stay with me for a few moments. But, but I'm just going to tell you something. This is why we don't have to be afraid. Because as long as God is for us, who can be against us? I'm telling you, God's got ways and means of doing things that this world cannot compete with. The devil can't even compete with him. Well, so the angel of the Lord by night opened the prison doors and brought them forth. And I see now I should have included one more verse. You got your Bible there? Read, read, read. I want you to get verse 20 for me too. We should have, should have thrown that in there. We might as well while we're at it here today. This is why I didn't make any promises of how long I'd preach. Verse 20. He, he, now look, I want you to see this. He opened the doors. He let them out of prison, and then look at what he says to them. Go, go, stand and speak stand in the temple to the people all the words of this life. So the angel said, I don't care what those guys told you to do. You get back out there and do what you know God wants you to do. Now, listen to me. It, it, it wouldn't be a very smart thing to stand there and argue with an angel that just let you out of prison. Because I got a feeling if he wants to, he could just turn you around and goose step you right back in. I think the best thing you could do is say, yes, sir, we're headed that way right now. You can count on us. We're going to get out there and we're going to do what we were doing all along. This imprisonment's not going to stop us. There's nothing they can do that's going to stop us. We're going to keep doing what God has called us to do. So, so, so get the picture. The Jews, they were already, already extremely jealous, very angry, filled with indignation, the King James says, because of what they were doing. So they thought they'd stop them and they put them in prison. And can you imagine what was going through their mind when the next morning they walked into the marketplace and there's Peter. There's James and there's John and they're over here having Bible studies and they're over here teaching people and they're over here preaching and they're praying people through to the Holy Ghost and they're trying to find a place to baptize somebody. And, 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 and the, these are the men they had locked up. And here they are right back out there doing the very same thing again. Now, in case you don't understand the carnal mind carnal mind doesn't just surrender at a moment like that the carnal mind gets even more angry and says we just didn't do a good enough job so we'll do it better next time 
We'll fight a little more fiercely next time. We'll put a little bit more hurt on them next time. Oh, hallelujah. And so they did. And this time they said, we're bringing them before the Sanhedrin. Now, you got to understand that the Sanhedrin to the Jews was like our Supreme Court. This was the highest authority in the Jewish religion. This was, this was it. You don't go any higher than the Sanhedrin to the Jewish people. And, and when it was a matter of the, the Sanhedrin telling you what to do, you're bound by that as a Jew. And, uh, and if, if you don't follow what they say, then they can cast you out of their religion, consider you a heathen, and, and if they do that, your family can't speak to you. You're considered dead. People have to avoid you. You're an unclean thing. It's, it's, it's a major ordeal if you get put out of, of the Jewish religion in this day. Amen. And so they bring them before the Sanhedrin and they start questioning them. And they said, look, didn't we tell you to stop all this? Didn't we straightly charge you that you would no more speak in this name didn't you hear what we said didn't you understand what we told you and Peter being you know some things didn't change after Pentecost Simon Peter was still Simon Peter in a lot of ways he was still quick on the draw he was still fast to jump up and give an answer before anybody else uh, had a chance to even think about one. Peter was just there and, and he had the words ready. And so when they started reminding him that they had already been ordered not to do this. They'd already been told. Uh, amen. In fact, in verse, you still got your Bible open. Re read verse 28 for us. And, and listen to what they tell them. They, they brought them in now before their supreme court. And, and this is what they're telling them. Read verse 28. Saying, did we straight, did we not, did we did not, not we straightly, straightly command you, command you, you not teach in this name? Not to teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem and with your doctrine. And instead of obeying us, and you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. You, you not only didn't obey, you went to the opposite extreme. You've been preaching it more. And you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. It was at that moment now. We got verse 29. I got it printed out for you there. But, but verse 29, here's what Peter responded to them. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God we rather than men. We ought to obey God rather than men. Amen. And at that point, Peter started preaching. And he began to tell them about this man, Jesus. Amen. He began to remind them that they had crucified him. He began to let them know this is exactly what had been prophesied by the prophets of old and the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God has given witness to who he really is. And I'm going to tell you, uh, there wasn't any need to give an altar call that day because there wasn't anybody feeling repentant. In fact, verse 33 tells us how the Sanhedrin felt when Peter got through preaching. Verse 33 says, When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Now, interestingly, I... I read where one commentator said this word cut properly denotes to cut with a saw. He said it means to be agitated with rage and indignation as if wrath would seize upon the heart as a saw does upon the wood and tears it violently and agitates it severely. That's how they felt. They felt like that Peter's words were just a saw and he was just, he was just pulling against the grain. And, and, and every time he spoke, it just ripped their heart just a little bit more. And, and the more he preached, the madder they got. And I'm going to tell you, they were ready at this point. They were ready. The Bible says, uh, did, did we finish that verse? Uh, read it again then. Read it again. 
When they had heard that, they were cut to the heart yeah. and took counsel, and to, took slay counsel to slay him. So this was their intention. They intended to put these men to death. They said, we're going to stop it. Imprisonment didn't stop them. We'll just put them to death. That'll stop the whole thing. We're ready to kill them. And they would have had it not been for a man by the name of Gamaliel. A man who had a great reputation among all the people. And he stood up, a member of that great court, and he said, put, put these men out. And let me talk to you men. Let me just address the court. And he began to talk to them out of his wisdom. And he began to relate to them some things, to remind them of some things. He told them, he said, you'd better be careful what you do to these men. Now, this is the Riggin revised version, but that's what he said. He said, take heed. But he said, be careful what you, what you plan to do as touching these men. He said, now think about it. There was another man who, who one day rose up and got about 400 together, but he was slain and all of his followers were scattered. And then he said there was a man by the name of Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing that drew away much people after him and all of them perished and, and uh, as many as obeyed him and those that didn't perish were dispersed. And, and, and he said, I, I'm telling you, you better just give it some time and leave them alone. He, he's, he's trying to remind them, guys, these are not the first ones that have ever tried this kind of thing. And, and, and he said, I'm telling you, everyone that's ever done this, God has taken care of them. God has proven when they were wrong. God's dealt with them. Let's just keep our hands off of it and let's let God take care of this. And then he said, he said, if, if this thing is of men, it's going to come to naught. If, if this is just some weird sect, some cult, it, it's, it's going to fall apart. It's not going to last forever. But then he said, on the other hand, if God is in it. You got your Bible? Read, read verse read verse. Uh, read verse 39. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow if it. If it's of God, you can't overthrow it. Lest haply you be found even to fight Lest against haply God. you be found to fight against God. You understand what he's telling them? Guys, that's not an equal match. You're not going to win. If God is in this thing, you might as well quit now. Kind of reminds me of what Haman's wife told him. You know, he was so determined to kill Mordecai. And, 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 and then that day finally came and, and she said, wait a minute. She said, if, 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 if Mordecai is of the Jews, you're, you're fighting a losing battle. You're going to come down. You're not going to win. You're not going to win against God's people. Listen to me, church. I want you to understand that no matter, no matter what comes or goes, you've got to know that God's people will win in the end. God's people will come through victorious in the end. Stay with me. Stay with me. Praise God. Amen. And Gamaliel said, you don't want to be found uh, to fight against God. And, and verse 40 is interesting. It says they agreed. And then they no sooner agreed till they called them in. And they beat them. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> they agreed. Yeah, if, if this is of God, we're going to be fighting against God. So let's just bring them in and beat them. But I mean, I guess in their minds, that was a good compromise for not killing them. But in my mind, if they really are thinking this might be of God, I don't think I want to do anything to them. I'd rather just leave them alone and let them self-destruct. But they were too angry. They were too angry. So the Bible says that they took them and, and they beat them. And they commanded them again not to speak in Jesus' name. Now this word beat here means to flay. It means to thrash. 
I'm telling you, they didn't just hit them a few times. This was a severe beating that these men took. And it was at this point, after this severe thrashing that they went through, that we read verse 41. And they departed from, they the, departed presence the, from council, the presence of the council, rejoicing that rejoicing they were counted worthy, that they were counted worthy to suffer for, for his, his name. name. And, and daily, in, daily the temple, in the temple and in every and house, in every house they, ceased they ceased not to teach and to preach, teach and Jesus, preach Jesus, Christ. Jesus Christ. And so here it was. They've been beaten. They've been flayed. They've been thrashed. But you know what they did? They walked out of there with their heads held high, with their hands in the air, saying, thank you, Jesus. We're grateful for this opportunity. And we just want you to know we're going right back out there into the street. This is not going to stop us. This is not going to distract us. This is not going to dissuade us. We've got our minds made up. This is what's right. And we're going to do it. Oh, hallelujah. Now how? How can they rejoice when they've just been beaten? How can they rejoice? How can they be excited when their enemy is so angry? And how can they go right out and keep doing what had just caused them to suffer so much? Well, this is, this is, I want to be careful because I got a long way to go and, and I don't want to get too sidetracked here today, but, but I'm going to tell you something. This is what, this is what, this is what bothers me. Folks in today's society find so many reasons not to go to church, find so many reasons not to be involved in the kingdom of God. And here were men that were being beaten for their beliefs, but it didn't stop them. In fact, if I'm reading this right, it just made them increase their efforts. They said, we're going to do it that much more. The more you beat us, the more we're going to preach it. The more that you attack us, the more we're going to be faithful to God. We're not giving up what we believe. We're not backing down from what we've been preaching. There's nobody that's going to cause us to change. In fact, we're happy that we've got this chance. How, how could they feel that way? Didn't they get the message? That the enemy was trying to send. Well I submit to you. I believe they did get the message. But it seems to me that these men had enough insight. That there was another message they got as well. There was a second message that they got. And that message was not spoken and it wasn't written. It was what we say as being between the lines. It's not evident and it's not obvious unless you're paying attention but sometimes there are messages that are there that we just tend to overlook because we're not really paying attention to the words that don't appear in type on the page I'm here to tell you there was a message that was in all of this. Amen. They not only understood what the enemy said, they understood something more. And that was what it was that was making the enemy so angry. And when they realized what was making the enemy so angry, that made them extremely happy. Well, praise God, that's what gave them the fortitude and the desire and, amen, the drive to get out there and do it even more. If this is going to make the devil mad, then I'm going to do it with more passion. If this is going to make the devil mad, then I'm going to do it with more energy. If this is going to make the devil mad, then I'm going to fight a little harder. I'm not going to let him intimidate me and make me back down and make me grow quiet. 
Come on, saints of God. I'm preaching to you. I know, I know 2020 has been a difficult year for most all of us. From sickness to suffering. From financial problems to family problems. Amen. I know we fought a lot of devils this year. I'm going to tell you. Amen. And honestly, honestly, and I'm not a prophet of doom and gloom, but I just know what I'm feeling. I don't think we've seen the last of it yet. But I'm going to tell you, I'm not discouraged today. And you shouldn't be either. I see a message between the lines. I see something else that's not written. It may not be spoken, but there's something there that I am recognizing today. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, help me today. Help me today. Praise God. Hallelujah. We've referred to this scripture, I think, a lot more in the last couple of months than probably 20 years that I've been here. But we're going to read it again today, Revelation 12 and 12. Read. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil has come down unto you. Having great wrath, yeah. because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Look, church, I've been saying, I believe, I believe we're in the end time. I believe that the Lord's about to come. But listen to me, the devil doesn't just believe it, he knows it. He knows it. I've said this before, the devil wants you to do what he himself does not do. He wants you to doubt the word of God. And listen to me, he doesn't doubt it. He knows when God speaks, it's going to happen. There's no question in his mind that every word of God is true. He knows it. He just wants you to doubt it. And he knows. He knows the signs of the times. He knows the things that are written. He knows and understands prophecy better than any of us do. And he knows he's got but a short time. And I'm telling you, he's given it an all-out effort in this day and age. He's mad. But I'm here to proclaim the madder he gets, the happier I get. Amen. If he's mad, it means we're doing something right. If he's angry, it means we're on the right track. Oh, hallelujah. In fact, I I like the way this is stated. Because this is woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. But he said, rejoice, ye heavens. Ye that dwell in them. Now, I'm just making an application here. I'm just making an application here. I'm not giving an interpretation. You understand difference but I I'm making an application I'm going to tell you this world is not our home this world is not our home hallelujah amen this world is not our home so here's what I'm saying today to the church of the living God we've got a home that's waiting on the other side we are citizens of another country amen we don't fall into the category of woe because the devil's mad we fall into the category of rejoice because the devil's mad amen I'm here to tell you God is going to take care of his people in these last days amen like we've never seen before you hear this preaching God's going to show himself strong. God's going to show himself mighty. God's going to reveal his power and his glory to his people like he's never done before. So go ahead and get mad, devil, because I know my God and I know the plans that he has for his people. Oh, let's praise him. Let's praise him. Now, 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 look, the devil doesn't just get mad for no reason at all. If he's mad, he's mad for a reason. There's a purpose behind his anger. Something he's mad about. So, I went through the scripture, tried to find some times that seemed to me the devil got mad. And I wanted to see, well, what? What, what do I find present there that really makes the devil mad? What do I see going on that stirred up the devil? And I'm not looking to stir him up. 
I'm telling you, he's already stirred up. But here, let's, let's go to the first one. And, and uh, first example, and, and most theologians believe that, uh, that this book is really probably, I know Genesis records the creation of the, of the world and uh, records things prior to this, but as far as uh, the time frame of, of when this character lived, it was, it was uh, in the early, early days. Most, most commentators believe one of the oldest books of the Old Testament, and it's the book of Job. And so this is one of those times that we find, and, and I, I don't have to take the time to remind you of how the devil showed up uh, in heaven one day and went before the Lord and, and God looked at him and said oh where you been? He said I've been walking to and fro. I, I, I've been looking around and, and God looked at him and said have you considered my servant Job? Now I know most of the time we look at that and, and we, we, we think that God is the one that's pointing out Job to the devil but I got to looking at this several years ago and I came to the conclusion Brother Goff that that's, I, I don't really think that's what God was saying. I, I think God knew the thoughts that the devil had and I think that what God was doing was he said oh so you've been thinking about Job have you he just he just reached right into the devil's mind and said I just want you to know I already know what you've been thinking I know who you've got your eyes on because as soon as God says it the devil's already got his plan laid out so God I don't think God I don't think God drew the bullseye on Job. I think God revealed it in that moment. So obviously the devil was mad about Job. He was obviously mad about Job. There's something going on in Job's life the devil didn't like. Well, probably a lot of things. But I think we can, I think we can see a couple of things in the very first verse of the first chapter that would cause the devil to get mad. Read for me Job 1 and 1. There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was perfect and upright. He was perfect and upright. And one that feared God and eschewed evil. Now, look at this. Job had the right perspective. I want you to think about something for just a minute. Many people in today's society have got this completely backwards. In their carnal mind, they th that word eschewed means to hate. So the Bible says of Job that he feared God and he hated evil. You know, in today's society, the world we live in, they hate God. And they're afraid of evil. Well, but not Job. Job had the right perspective. Amen. Job feared God. Now that's not... That's not a fear like I'm scared of God. It's, it's a reverence for God. It's understanding that as the song said today, he's a holy God. Amen. It is understanding. You don't just toss his name around in vain. You, 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 don't just, you, you, don't, you just don't do the things that this world has gotten comfortable doing. Well, I, I'm, I'm about to sound like an old fogey, but what do you expect at almost 61 years old? What do you, what do you expect me to sound like? I'm not a whippersnapper anymore. I, I'm just going to tell you, I, I, I look around and I see people tossing around all of the OMG. Do you understand what that stands for? I, I'm going to tell you, I was always taught you don't use the name of the Lord in vain. You don't just throw it out there for no use. If you're going to use his name, it needs to be in prayer. It needs to be because you're calling upon him. But this world doesn't fear God anymore. They put it in God's face. They want to flash their sin in the face of God and the face of the world. They want to march their sin down the main streets of America. I'm going to tell you what makes the devil mad is when he looks at people like are sitting right here at the Truth Church this morning. We still have a reverence for God. Amen. And we still hate evil. We still despise what God despises. And we love what God loves. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I've felt it, you've felt it, 
There's been a change going on in the spirit in the last few months around here. There's some folks, thank God, there's some folks that, that, are, that, are, that are starting to get on board. There's some folks that are starting to get a right perspective and starting to see things from God's point of view. And listen to me, the more that that happens, the madder the devil gets. But saints of God, the madder he gets, the more that's a good clue to us. We're on the right track. We're doing the right thing. So go ahead, devil. Just show us how mad you are. Just go ahead and attack. Throw everything you got. It's just another sign. There's a message between those lines that evidently you've checked out our perspective and you know we got the perspective Job had. We still fear God around here and we still hate evil. I gotta hurry. I gotta hurry. Now, by the way, if you haven't had that perspective change, it's not too late for that to happen for you today. Just want to throw that in. Amen. If this preacher won't preach too long, you'll have some time to get that perspective taken care of here this morning. Hallelujah. Now, I'm going to tell you, the devil got mad at Daniel. He got mad at Daniel. Go to Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 14. Daniel 10. Daniel 10, verses 12 to 14. Then said he unto me, Fear not, Daniel. Yeah, the angel's talking to Daniel now. For from the first day that thou didst set thy heart to understand. You set your heart to understand. And to chasten thyself before the God, thy God. Uh-huh. Thy words were heard, and I am come for thy and words. I came because you've been praying. But listen. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia yeah, we talked about this just one. a few weeks ago. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, yeah. and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Uh-huh. Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days. Now I will tell you, that this angel, this angel's on his way down. Uh, I'm sorry, we didn't finish. I'm sorry, I thought that was... I knew it ended with days. Let's, let's finish it out. Go ahead. For yet the vision Jesus. is for many days. All right. so, so listen, that angel was coming down to give Daniel some understanding. But the devil was so mad that he met him in the heavenlies. And there was war that went on in the atmosphere. What was it that the devil hated about Daniel? What was it that made the devil so mad about Daniel? Well, I'm going to tell you, if there's anything Daniel's known for, we ought to recognize right away what it was. Amen. There was something Daniel did throughout his life that just absolutely never changed. Here's just one example. Daniel chapter 9 verses 2 and 3. Read. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years, mm-hmm. whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in desolations of Jerusalem. Right. And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Yeah, now, now, the reason why I wanted you to read chapter 9 is because what we just read in chapter 10 is the result of what happened in chapter 9. Are you with me? Amen. That that angel had come because of what was going on in chapter 9 of Daniel. And here's what was going on. We know Daniel was a prayer warrior. We know, we know Daniel was a man that just didn't quit praying. Even when the law said you got to stop, he just went right back to his house and, and opened his window and prayed three times a day just like he'd always done. He didn't put on a show for everybody. He didn't call the media, come watch me, I'm going to pray. He just did what he'd always done. Well, hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to tell you. But here's the thing about this prayer that made the devil so mad. The Bible says, Daniel said, I understood by the books. Amen. That Jeremiah the prophet had prophesied 70. You know what that tells me? There was two things going on. His face was in the book and he was praying according to the will of God. He learned what it was God wanted to happen in his lifetime. He learned it from the scripture and he started praying in accordance with the will 
of God as revealed in the word of God and when Daniel started praying that way the devil knew I gotta stop this I gotta put a stop to this I gotta do something about this I preached to you just a few nights ago about reaching that place amen where our prayer matches the promise that's what I'm telling you today we got to get back into this book we got to understand what God has said and when we start praying in accordance with the will of God that's when we know God's going to answer well hallelujah see see James put it this way James said, you have not because you ask not. And usually that's the only part of that verse that we quote. But it doesn't stop there. He said, you ask and you have not. Because you ask amiss. See, a whole lot of our prayers, we're asking amiss. We're not asking according to the will of God. We're asking according to our will. And we don't have a promise that God's going to answer every prayer we pray that's in accordance with our will. But if we could ever start praying in the will of God, if we could ever start praying in the will of God and praying for the things that we know God has said in His Word. I'm going to tell you, when those two things connect, when our prayer matches what's written in the Word, that's going to make the devil mad because he knows he can't stop it. He can delay it. He can fight against it. But he knows God's going to answer that kind of prayer. I'm preaching today to the truth church. I'm telling you, something is taking place uh, something's happening around here as we start lifting our eyes heavenward uh, as we start putting our faces uh, back into this black back book uh, and we are praying uh, according to the will of God I'm telling you you get ready God's gonna answer and when the devil is mad you can just read between the lines it's because there's an answer coming. That's why he's mad. <laughs> well, hallelujah. I'm trying to hurry. I really am. Amen. Why? Why? In our text, why did the devil get so mad at these disciples? What was it that made him so mad? That they imprisoned the disciples and then took them and flayed them, thrashed them, threatened them with death. Why was he so mad at them? Well, let's read Acts chapter 5, verses 27 and 28. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, uh -huh. and the high priest asked them, Saying, did yeah. we not, did, did not we straightly command you that ye should not teach yeah. in this name? Yeah. And behold, and ye behold, have filled Jerusalem with the doctrine. Now we read this doctrine. verse a minute ago, but I want you to notice something. Behold, you have filled Jerusalem with what? Your doctrine. With what? You filled Jerusalem with your doctrine. That's what made the devil mad. Hallelujah. Now I'm going to tell you, Job had the right perspective. Daniel had the right prayer. These apostles had the right preaching. Amen. They were still preaching the apostles' message. They were still preaching apostolic doctrine. They didn't veer from the message of Acts 2.38. They didn't back down. They didn't try to water it down. They were still preaching the same thing. you got to repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost as evidenced by speaking in other tongues. They're still preaching the same doctrine. They've got the right preaching and that makes the devil mad. Listen church, we're living in an age of compromise. I've watched it all my life. I've watched it happen but never on the scale that I'm seeing it right now as men are finding ways to get around the truth, to try to make it palatable, to try to make it acceptable, to try to make it relevant. But I'm going to 
tell you, as for the truth church, uh, we're going to stand firm uh, on the message, uh, amen, that the church was built upon. Uh, we're not backing up. Uh, we're not backing down. Uh, we're going to keep on preaching uh, what thus saith the word of God. And the devil doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. You know, if we, if we got off into social gospel and, you know, just I'm okay, you're okay kind of stuff like so many have. Let's just let everybody feel good about themselves. And we're all going to heaven. You go your way, I'll go mine. And we'll all get there at the very same time. We get into that, the devil just leave us alone. No reason to fight us. Because he's already got us. But you let a church make a stand and say we're not changing. We're not bending. We're not bowing. We're going to stand firm on the word of God. The devil's going to get mad. So I'm just here to let him know, devil. You might as well just go ahead and get mad. Hallelujah. Because we're not changing. We're not changing. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Paul said, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. I don't want the curse of God on me, so I'm going to preach what the apostles preached. I'm going to preach the same message that they filled Jerusalem with. And I'm praying, God, let it get a hold of every member of the truth church. Let's fill Olathe with that message. Let's fill Johnson County with that message. Let's fill Kansas City with that message. Let's take the apostolic truth and spread it. Oh, hallelujah. My, my, my. All right, all right. I got one more, one more. You know, the devil really got mad at Paul. He got really, really mad at Paul. Read for me 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32. If after the manner of men I have fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Now, now look at this. I have fought with beasts at Ephesus. Now, before I can tell you why the devil got mad, Paul, I think we need to just take a good look at this word beasts. And I know that, you know, there are some commentators who want to make this into actual animals. And, but, but, you know, I've, I've always taught this church, let Scripture interpret Scripture. Right? Isn't that what I've always said? Let Scripture interpret Scripture. Rather than just come up with a definition, if you don't understand a verse, see if you can find one or two verses that might explain it to you. So let's see if I can do that. Let's go to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. But these as but natural these, brute beasts. As natural brute beasts. Read. They to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. He's not talking about animals there. He's not talking about animals, but he called them brute beasts. And then Jude, Jude verse 10. Any chapter you want to pick in Jude verse 10, it says the same thing. Verse 10, in every chapter in Jude says the same thing. Read. But these speak evil of those things which they know not, uh -huh. but, but what they know naturally as brute as beasts. As brute beasts. And those things, they corrupt themselves. Now again, Jude's not talking about animals. I'm going to tell you, he's talking about corrupt men with vile spirits. I'm, I'm going to tell you, if we're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture, then here's what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians 15.32. I have fought with vile men that have got corrupt spirits. While I was at Ephesus, I've had every kind of attack thrown at me since I've been here. I'm telling you, I've had to fight everything. They don't like me around here. The devil's not happy with me around here. So... Understanding that, 
understanding that from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32. The very next chapter, I think he tells us why the devil was so mad. Look at 1 Corinthians 16, verses 8 and 9. But I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost, huh? for a great door because a and great door is and effectual unto me, is open and there unto are me. many adversaries. And there are many adversaries. I'm going to tell you the reason the enemy was so mad is because Paul had the right promises. God promised him an open door. God said, you just go ahead and preach, Paul. I opened a door for you. I'm going to give you a revival in Ephesus. It's going to be unprecedented. It's going to be a revival like nothing you've ever seen. Yeah, you're going to have to fight some devils. The devil's not going to be happy, but you just go ahead and preach. You just stand your ground, Paul. I have opened a door for you. Now, what happened at Ephesus? Well, some of it you ought to know off the top of your head. If you've been here any amount of time, you ought to know some of what happened at Ephesus. Why did it get so quiet all of a sudden? Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And Paul, it, having passed through the upper coast. Read. And it came to pass, came to pass. that while Apollos, Apollos was, was, was at Corinth, Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. Came to Ephesus and finding, finding certain, certain disciples, disciples, he said unto them, said unto them Have you received, have the, you Holy received Ghost the Holy Ghost believed? since you believed? And they said unto him, now look, this we is have at Ephesus. So this is at Ephesus. And he finds disciples at Ephesus. And he said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we hadn't even heard whether there was a Holy Ghost. He said unto them, unto what then were you baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people, they should believe on him, which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. They spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about to, you talk about starting off with a bang. He started the church in Ephesus with 12 men. God said, don't worry about those beasts. Don't worry. I'm giving you an open door, Paul. But see, it didn't stop with this. Go down to verse 11. Read verses 11 and 12. And God wrought special miracles. Now, this miracles. is while he's at Ephesus. God wrought special miracles. By the hands of Paul. By the hands of Paul. So that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or uh -huh. aprons, uh -huh. and the diseases departed from them, uh -huh. and the evil spirits went out of them. Uh -huh. Yeah, so special miracles are being wrought at the hands of Paul while he's at Ephesus. I'm talking about God opened a door for Paul. God opened a door for Paul. That's why the devil was mad because of the promises that Paul had. The devil didn't like it. Ephesus had been a center for idol worship. Ephesus had been a center, amen, for polytheism. But now they're going to see revival, unprecedented revival. Revival. Amen. Some commentators say that the church there ended up numbering way into the thousands before it was all over with. You talk about an open door. No wonder the devil was mad with the promises that Paul had. But perhaps the greatest part of the story is found in verse 10. This is while he's at Ephesus. Listen to this. Acts 19 Verse 10. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt so in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Which dwelt in Asia. Now, now, by the way, this continued the space of two years. That comes on the heels of God bringing special miracles and handkerchiefs being sent out and diseases departing and evil spirits being cast out. All of that, that's, that's what the Bible says in verses, uh, uh, verses uh, 11 and 12. Those things that happen and, and, and these things are taking place here and, and all of this is going on. But the Bible says that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Are you hearing me? The entire 
entire continent heard the gospel while Paul was in Ephesus. You talk about an open door. He didn't have the internet. He didn't have a telephone. He didn't have radio. He didn't have television. He didn't. Have, but I'm telling you, God began to broadcast the word from Ephesus. God opened a door in Ephesus that affected an entire continent. That's why the devil was mad. Do you understand that when God said, I'm opening a door, Paul, the devil understood what that meant. Read Revelation chapter 3 and verse 8. Read Revelation 3 verse 8. I know thy works. I know thy works. I have set before thee an open door. And no man can shut no it. No man For thou hast a little it. strength. Yes. And hast kept my yes. word and hast not denied my Did you name. see what he said? He said, I have opened a door for you. And when I open it, nobody, nobody, not even the devil, not even Satan. Once I open the door, nobody can shut it. Listen to me, Paul. You don't get your eyes focused on the beasts. Don't get your eyes focused on the devil. Don't focus on his anger. Read between the lines. Find the message between the lines. You gotta learn to see if he's mad. There's a reason that he's mad. It's because there's a great promise that's gonna be fulfilled. Come on, Truth Church. I'm telling you, the devil has heard every promise that's been proclaimed across this pulpit. Amen. Preacher after preacher that has come through this place not knowing what the other has said. The things that God has spoken, the devil's made note of it. He doesn't like those promises. He's not happy about those promises. But listen to me. We got a right perspective around here. We got we got a right prayer. We got the right preaching. We got the right promises. The devil's mad. But I'm glad. Revival. Revival is ours. There's no reason to be discouraged. I don't care how dark the day gets. It can't get too dark. That the light can't pierce it. In fact, the darker it gets, really the less light it needs to pierce it again if you don't believe that go with me sometime to Africa get out there some of those roads where there's not a street light or a house light or any kind of light except stars if there's no clouds in the sky and see just how dark it can get it doesn't take a very bright light to shatter that darkness. And I'm telling you, the darker this world gets, the brighter our light becomes. We don't have to worry about the devil being mad. We just need to start reading between the lines. We just need to understand there's a reason he's angry. It's because God's got something good headed our way. Do you believe that today? Come on, if you believe it, lift your hands.